Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. His grace is far greater than all of our sin. And the healing power of the Lord is Y'all can sit down. You've been, been so kind. Here the moment you walk through these doors. Can yes. you sense it? I can. Amen. That's one of the strongest things about this church that I've sensed many, many years ago. Like I was pastor, we showed you the other night. Our first miracles were in this church. Well, God's miracles through us were in this church. Many miracles. One of the girl's leg grew out and she got bad grades. And she's marching in the band because she walked like this before. And then she came up for prayer. Anybody remember that? Anybody here at that meeting? All right. Oh, all three, four, five, six of us. Okay. Um, I mean, it was just wild. Now, and we didn't know what we were doing. The people didn't know what they were doing. We were just uh, you couldn't explain it, but you sure got get to experience Don't it. Don't you remember that one usher? I said, come here, you're going to see a miracle. And when that lady's like, it grew out. It, it was really bad. She got she got bad grades when she twirled the baton. And so because she went back, she got all straight A's for twirling the baton. Because she went, <laughs> Hallelujah. And uh, oh, she should have been more distressed. And so, um, so she could have gone, oh, do the twist. And so... Um, Yes, I know how to do the twist. And so uh, many, many, many people were wondering. And uh, so the, the usher, he said, okay, okay. So he knew these were cool. And all of a sudden, that leg, you knew it grew. I mean, it was moving so strong. He flipped out back. He went, oh, my God. Boom. He was gone. No help there. And so I think that was the meeting that Darren Baldwin ran over the, ran over the chairs. Darren Baldwin. Is that his name? Yeah. yeah. Hello. Darren. Our good friend. Uh, you know, he and his wife, Pastor, in Live Oak now. So he, know, he, he runs over all these chairs. But at that point in time, he was messed to the, up. To the front, and, and it was in this, this church, and I looked at him, and I said, what took you so long? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he was crawling over pews to but get up Listen, hello, I think I said that. I just want to make sure. Here it goes. We'll be out of here by two, I promise. Actually, we already know what time we're supposed to be out here, so... But, I mean, they'll come up and take it, you know. And then the cute little comment that uh, Pastor Greg made about me. I kept thinking, oh, great, here we go again. I thought I was going to get a reprieve from Pastor Edwin, but I guess not. I thought, oh, these next few years are just going to be so blessed. I won't have to hear anything from Pastor Edwin about me again. And here he shoots it right from the start, from the hip. I've got, oh, Lord, I thought I was through with that. Pick it up through the sun. Okay. You know they, what they say, you don't get friends like you want. You get friends like you are. Oh, Lord. I, oh, God, I need, Lord, I need to change. I need to change. Okay. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But um, I, I know it's a, it's a, um, I want Lois to share, but I got something at the end to share, just something that the Lord, I was writing. You can ask Anna. Uh, she was with me in the room. I was just writing, writing, writing till what, one or two? I kept writing, writing, writing some things that I had that was special for this church. And, um, um, how might we say, Tanaki, no more, that's on the media. So, you're so many, 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 you're so many,
Eu não o burro, santarakeldo. Ei, 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 ei. Muna, na, 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 mangue, um dongo. Andere de palha, não, munana. Esse é lei, esse é lei, esse é lei. So no need to fear or be discouraged in any way or shape this hour and this day. For God himself is at work and he will cause things to be moved. He will cause things to give sway. Trust in him this hour and lift up your eyes and look because there is a work to be done. And the things of God will go forth like a mighty stream in a dry place and water everyone. So let this go go forth in your life, what God is doing today. In every place, he will use the unusable. He will make it work his way. Don't think it can't be changed and it, you can't do it in this, in this time. For you are destined to be here. You are purposed by God for this hour and this day. This is not by mistake and you are not uh, out of place but you are right on time and God's plan and purpose will move forward with a greater grace than all sin. So trust him this hour. You'll stand back and wonder how that could have been. But all the grace of God will carry you through and as you walk forward in faith, he will make a way for you. Hallelujah. Yes, you can go. By the way, there's, there was healing when you walked through the door this morning. Healing when you were singing. Healing in your seats. All you have to do. Amen. T.L. Osborne used to say it like this. You're waiting for me to get through preaching so you could get healed. I'm waiting for you to get healed so I can quit preaching. And that's exactly. Or quit singing either way. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, uh. I want to give you a quote by Daisy Osborne. She was T.L. Osborne's wife, and T.L. and Daisy Osborne were pioneers in uh, world evangelism. When they first started, actually, I'll never forget being in a Chinese restaurant in Tulsa with T.L. Osborne. We were eating lunch with him after Daisy had moved to glory. We were talking about revival, and he said to me, he said, let me tell you what F.F. Bosworth told me. Now, if those names don't mean anything to you, well, just look up a few things. The book Christ the Healer was written by F.F. Bosworth. And F.F. Bosworth was T.L. Osborne's mentor. And um, he was responsible for T.L. Osborne getting recognized in different places. And he said, let me tell you what F.F. Bosworth told me. And I said, can I write it down? (laughs) Because I like to tell it again, you know. And so he said, sure, but I... He said, let me tell you what F.F. Bosworth told me. He said... Never say it just happened concerning revival. Always say it took place. In other words, there are things that bring and cause, uh, make a place for the move of God. You know what I'm saying? Now, you may not always be able to explain it, but it's never by accident. God's not up in heaven, you know, with his blindfold on, throwing a dart at the world. Let's see. No, he sees all no, the no. nations. He sees everything. He sees it all. And um, they were the ones that when uh, they were going on the mission field at the time, it was thought that you could not preach on a mission field in a foreign uh, country if you did not know the language. And they were the ones that took an interpreter and proved it could be done. When everybody said it couldn't. Reinhard Bonnke 
was a follower of theirs. The reason he moved in and did what some of the things he did was because of the influence of them. And they, I like people who are not looking for an open door, but they are making, making an open door. door. Now, it's not the easiest thing to do, but I will tell you, it produces a far greater work when they can see and just, and they just, you know, nobody's there with them except the hand of God. And there were people who also confirmed that things in him. But Daisy Osborne said this, she made this statement, the deepest issue in life is committing yourself unreservedly to Christ's great calling. The deepest issue in life. Now, a lot of people are trying to feel, figure out deep issues today. I mean, all kinds of things to try to figure out the reality and authenticity of their life. The deepest issue in life is committing yourself unreservedly to Christ's great calling. If the Red Sea couldn't stop Moses and the children of Israel, if the Jericho wall couldn't stop Joshua, if a giant named Goliath couldn't stop David, if a hungry lion couldn't get a meal out of Daniel. Woo! And I, well, and death, the grip of death, sin, sickness, death, could not hold Jesus back. Nothing the devil has can stop you from the will of God. Quit focusing on everything he's done. And begin to give yourself... In fact, I will tell you this. The answer for everything the devil's done in your life is found in giving yourself to the will of God. Oh, I'm so glad you... I I didn't know if you could hear me for shouting so loud. Praise the Lord. (laughs) So... God has a plan for your life. He's not wondering what you're here about. He's the one that plans your life. And his plan through your life is designed to alter the course of this world. Change. You are world changers by birth. Woo! Hot dog, brother. So let me just give you the summarization. If you're kind of like, I just came in six months ago and I, you know, this is like, you know, I can't even, I can't find a place to put this. Well, just kind of put it on a shelf. And as you walk through the things God has for you, it'll start, you know, oh, that, there it is. There it is. It'll connect together. There it is. And this is one of those things, uh, this portion of scripture in the New Living Translation that will pretty much help you summarize, to me, it just summarizes the plan of God in any Christian's life. Now, it's not specific, but it's, you know, the yard is fenced in. Do you know what I mean? And so 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21 says it like this. Anyone, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Everybody say anyone. Anyone. Woo, that means you. Anyone who belongs to Christ, has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Woo! And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. 
Come on now, I'm just trying to help you understand Christ's great calling on your life. Now, God, for God was in Christ. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Verse 19, the New Living Translation. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. He's trying to help you understand why God has given you the task of reconciling people to him. Because God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. No longer, what does that mean, reconciling? No longer counting people's sins against them. In other words, the books are balanced. The payment of sin has been made. There's no outstanding debt. There's no unreconciled error that you cannot find the answer for. It's all been done. Woo! Now, I, this is, you know, we, we actually start our 46th year next month. But, I mean, I, if you ever get tired of hearing that, come on now. You just need again. You, you just need to reevaluate, you know, what you're giving your life to. I mean, if it doesn't thrill you to think what Jesus has done for you, something else is trying to take the place. Yes, yes. And whatever that is, yes. it's not enough. It cannot reconcile. That's why the world is full of such depression and anxiety because there is no other place where it's a, a, the, the sin and the effect of sin is reconciled. Woo, it's clear. I don't know if you've ever tried to reconcile books and can't find the error. I mean, I've actually written it off before and said, you know, it's, I know it's wrong and I can't find it, so here you go. No, no, no she'll actually yes. look, look for hours. No, yeah, mostly for, in Cindy's. For six cents. But I'm just here to tell you, there's no unreconciled error. Maybe you don't have an answer for it, but God says it's clear. Woo! And then he says this, and so this is what God did. So now that's why he's given us the wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Woo! We speak for Christ when we plead. Come back to God. Woo! For God. Why do we say that? For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin. So that we could be made right with God through Christ. Why did God make him to be the offering for our sin? So that we could be made right with God through Christ. What's it? Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and lost the glory, glorious likeness to God they were meant to have. That's what he says. But then Romans 3.24 is right next door. All have sinned and lost the glory of God, but being reconciled to, uh, but all, now I can't think of it. Being justified, no, that's, that's Romans uh, 5.1. Uh, no, that's Romans, no, no, that's Romans 5, one. Let we me need read to go it. another 46 years. We can't seem to remember this. Let me read. Be, uh, for all of sin and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. Holler it out if you got <laughs> And Romans 3.24, being justified. Being just same people who sinned and lost the glorious likeness to God. Being justified. Justified, just as if you'd never sinned. Justified, freely, by His grace. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Woo! Glory to God. God made him 
who back in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so we could be made right with God through Christ. Righteousness is the gift of God through Jesus Christ. It's not right according to what you think is right or according to what your, you know, uh, your family thinks is right. It's rightness according to God's measure of righteousness. Glory to God. I'm telling you. And so, uh, he says in verse uh, 22, uh, verse, uh, uh, the Amplified Bible says, it was God, verse 19, personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself, not counting up or holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them and committing to us the message of reconciliation, of restoration to favor. Come on now. Come on now. That's why you're here. That's what you're, that's what God has made you to be. That's not what you're trying to become. You're just trying to become aware of what's real. You know, you can live by your truth if you want, but the truth supersedes all other truth. Do you understand? The only reason people live by their truth is because they don't know the truth. Come on. And so he says, here we are, a child of the living God made to change the course of history. There is what God is going to do today. In other words, what God is going to do today, he has made you to do it through. Well, that'll make you comb your hair, won't it? Praise the Lord. And so I'm going to give you real quickly here um, a story that will help you to understand the importance of stepping in to the great calling of God in your life. I always look for Bible principled truth. And I, you know, it doesn't matter if I think it's a certain thing or if I feel like this is it. I just, just read the Bible story. It's like, I like what Pastor Hagen always says. You don't have to explain the Bible. Let it explain itself. Quit trying to make it say what you want it to say. Just let it explain itself. And I like that. Praise the Lord. And so, uh, there is a story, you know, Hebrews, first of all, Hebrews says in um, verse 11, chapter 11, verse 3, through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. And we know, if you've heard me before, you understand, through faith we understand, he's talking about different specific periods of time when he says worlds. Yes, it can also be used to say this. Uh, you know, we know he uh, created the heavens and the earth and, and, and he hung the stars in place and we know that. He created all that. But this word here, when he says worlds, it's a word that literally means a specific period of time. That's why Hebrews 11 is, a, is full of people during specific periods of time who by faith altered the course of their world. By faith, Noah built a boat in the middle of dry ground. By faith, they marched around the walls of Jericho and they fell down. By faith, Sarah received strength to conceive seed. You know what I'm saying? All at different times, and yet they all were there designed by the hand of God to alter the course of their world. So he says, by faith we understand that the world's Eons, A-I-O-N-O-S, were framed or uh, they were remade, repaired, <sighs> woo, restored 
by the word of God. That is the word for rhema, which is the spoken word of God. In other words, we're here to proclaim. We're here to speak out the good news of God's plan of reconciliation and favor to the world. And so he says, we understand the worlds were framed or restored by the word, uh, by the word of God. And then he goes on down here. Oh, I won't read that one, but I want to get over here to help you to understand. I want to give you a Bible example of how that happens. Is that okay? So this is actually about someone. What I love about this story is this person was not um, they didn't, you know, just have a silver spoon in their mouth and live a life. You know, they could have gone into counseling forever. <laughs> they were orphaned. Uh, they were exiled in bondage. They, they were, uh, you know, they were adopted. And they didn't have, you know, just a perfect situation in their life. Do you understand? And so... Um, this person, though, you don't really, some people don't even really know, unless they read the Bible, that she was an orphan and that she was exiled in bondage. But her name was Esther. How many of you have heard of Esther? There's a book in the Bible named after her. Wow, wonder why that happened. Well, you know, the Bible talks about, here, here was this young lady. She was called by God, a book in the Bible that carries her name. And very simply, it boils down to her giving herself unreservedly to Christ's great calling. Exactly the same thing you're here to do. And so in, in, in the book of Esther, the first thing that I know, there are three things I want you to see about what happened in the book of Esther that you can understand. And I'm not going through the whole story. I'm just going to give you three points, okay? Number one, it was her day of destiny. It was her day of destiny. In other words, you don't choose the day. The day chooses you. Did you hear me? I said, you don't choose the day. The day chooses you. Jesus says it like this in John 15, 16. You've not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. I mean, it sounds like something is pretty strong, uh, unalterable, cannot be changed that uh, Jesus is talking about. He said, no, no, you didn't get this started. I got this started. You didn't choose me. I chose you. You didn't choose this day. This day chose you. You remember, you cannot change the plan of God, but you can be changed by it. Hallelujah. You're trying to alter the plan of God. No, let the plan of God alter you. Don't miss your day. You don't mark it. It marks you. It's the only thing that makes your life count. You'll never step into your destiny without understanding that you have been chosen by God. Chosen by God. Hallelujah. One of the God, and just remember this, God will cause your past to serve your future. I said, he will make your past serve your future. Oh, yeah. It's a thrill and a chill. 
Ephesians 2.10 is one of the best destiny verses I know to understand how to relate to what God, uh, what God is saying to you in, in, in New Testament. He says in Ephesians 2.10, he says it like this. For we, you, are God's workmanship, created in Christ. You're the workmanship of God, created in Christ Jesus. How did you get to be God's workmanship? In Christ Jesus, for God for good works. Woo! You say, God's going to do something good. Guess what? He's going to do it through you. In other words, if God's doing something good, that means you got something good to do. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Listen to this. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Which God prepared beforehand. In other words, uh, it's not God's not in heaven going, uh-oh, 2023. Uh-oh. Oh, no. God's ahead of the curve. He's ahead of the curve. That's why you can have peace in the middle of a storm. He's already on the, he's already knows the way to the other side. He said, which God has prepared ahead of time. The Amplified Bible says, we're God's own handiwork. His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we, why did he do this? So we can do the good works which he has predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking the path which he prepared ahead of time. If you're walking through a minefield, and your sea footprints, step in them. That's what he's saying. I've been through that. I know the way through. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I've been through it. And I've made you able. I've put in you the very same thing that I received from the Father when I walked through death, hell, and the grave. Come on. Just follow the footprints. Woo! Uh, taking the paths he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them. Living the good life we prearranged and made ready for us to live. Wow. He's our, he knows your, listen, God knows your future better than you know your past. Woo! Hallelujah. Somebody needs to say that on Fox News. To, God knows. He knows your future better than you know your past. I want to give you. Now, so here we are. And I kept this, this example. Just, I, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to say it, but it, I couldn't get off of it. It's like you can say what you want or you can say what I would like you to say. And so I was, I kept going over some things concerning this destiny, walking out the plan of God. And um, a guy named Daniel kept coming to my heart. And Daniel, at the time when he comes before, uh, uh, he's a uh, 17-year-old young boy. He's uh, he's among the brightest stars in Israel's future. I mean, his future looks so bright. And then he gets uh, in Babylon. He's taken away and he's made a eunuch. You know what that means? In, In the natural, it did not look like there was any future for him. Do you understand that? He's a 17-year-old young man. He was, uh, he, he, 
his whole world was before him. The whole dreams of the future. But now it apparently seemed like it was all over. His future was set by a hand of somebody else other than God. But young Daniel, uh, even though his economic status was changed, his family was wiped out. And he he's put into slavery, so to speak. He's a sole survivor. And even though he is taken and brutally uh, uh, deprived of his future in the natural, he, he comes up against this uh, decision in a day when he's in the king's palace and they're all trying to give them the king's food. And the Bible says in verse 8, Daniel purposed in his heart he would not defile himself with the king's meat nor with the wine he drank. He said, I will not take part in this. Now let me tell you this, Daniel could have turned his back on God. You think he had a, a reason in the natural? Some people would have said you can never recover from all of that. Daniel could have turned his back on God, thinking it would make life easier for him. But he would not let go of his destiny and his commitment to the will of God. He was in the king's hall. He looked just like everyone else. He didn't look any different. He was as anyone else. They were all dressed the same. They were all the best ones in the land. But Daniel was not like everyone else. Because of his faith in God, he made a difference because he changed what he would or would not do. His behavior did not depend on his environment, on his, uh, uh, on his uh, pay, on any honor in the world. His difference, he made a difference by being different because of his faith in God. The difference in his life Listen, was not... Kids. It was, it got the, uh, the attention because of his commitment to the will of God. Here was a young man who was willing to risk everything because of his faith in God. If he had forgot or given up his faith in God, ate the king's food, he would have not been any different than anyone else. He had a decision to make. A de- that would alter his des- destiny. Sticking with his faith made him different from everyone else in the room. He made a difference by being different. Not different. Not a difference that was based on his disappointment, his hurts, his uh, scars in life, but a difference that was based on his faith and commitment to God. He was a 17-year-old young boy, and he said, I will not alter my course, no matter who says what. I will not. Listen, this is what the Bible says in Romans 12, 2, and this is the Message Bible. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. I said, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. I didn't even, it didn't even bother me that I was dressed and talking and doing exactly the same thing. I didn't even think about it. That Bible says, don't do that. Don't become so well-adjusted to the culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. 
unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. And here is Daniel. And he says, I will not, I will not partake of what you want me to do. And then the Bible says, when he set himself apart, the Bible says in verse 20, that in every matter of wisdom and understanding, which the king questioned them, he was 10 times better. How did that happen? He wasn't, you know, going to college on the side. It was the call and the, he was giving himself unreservedly to Christ's great calling. And whatever was necessary, whatever was necessary for the hour, he was equipped with the ability to do it. You know, he never would have known that ability if he hadn't stood his ground. You understand? You'll never really be, and I'm talking about experientially, what God wants you to be until you do what he's asking you to do. But you know what's interesting to me about this story? A time kind of goes through, uh, Daniel, a different, uh, it goes through really 66 more years. 66, Daniel's over 80 years old now. And it says in Daniel uh, chapter, where is that? In Daniel chapter... um, Did I not write that in here? When Daniel goes into the lion's den, it's in Daniel chapter 6. And Daniel, now he is over. Did you know when Daniel went into the lion's den, he was over 80 years old? Did you know that? You see those pictures sometimes? It's just a young teenage boy in there. He wasn't a young teenage boy. This was 66 years later. But Daniel still gave himself unreservedly to Christ's great calling. And when the day came, oh yeah, they didn't like it because Daniel would not bow and Daniel would not yield. And so there were some wicked men, but I don't care where the position is and I don't care what they're doing. Nothing can alter the great plan and purpose of God through your life. And the Bible says that Daniel was thrown into a hungry lion's den. And he went to sleep after, when he was over 80 years old, he must have said, I've been here. I've read this chapter. I know what happens. I'm going to sleep. That's what happens. Every time the devil thinks he's making you weaker, you're actually getting stronger. And the next day when Daniel came out, not one mark on him. And then when they threw other people in there, oh, that lion was hungry. He just couldn't eat Daniel. Aren't you glad? Come on, I'm not talking to you about just hanging in there for the next three years. I'm talking to you about a life that alters the course of the world. And so now here we are in, in, in Esther chapter, uh, 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 whatever chapter this is, Esther chapter 4. Here is Esther, and she has come to a point of decision. Her uncle Mordecai knows that wicked Haman is out to destroy the people of God. He's out to, de- this, is the, this is his ultimate, he's got the position He's got the resources. He's got seemingly what is ever necessary to accomplish this plan. But the Bible says in Esther chapter 4, Mordecai knows. He knows his God. 
And he calls and he has someone. And they go to Esther. She is in the king's palace at this time. And he says to her in Esther chapter 4. And this is such a good portion of scripture. He says in Esther chapter 4 verse 14. He says, if you remain silent at this moment in time. Relief and deliverance will arise from the, for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. So now here he is with Esther. And he's actually telling her. You know what he's telling her? He said, I'm telling you God's going to move in this hour. I'm telling you it's not over. I'm telling you God has a plan to alter the course of this world. But he, ta- he goes to Esther and he says, if you choose to be quiet at this moment in time, he said, uh, uh, relief or deliverance will come from the, for the Jews. It will come. But he tells her, he says, but you and your father's house will perish, but who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. You know what he tells her? He says, Esther, you got to choose. Do you believe you're a part of God's plan? Do you believe you're here by divine providence? Do you believe you're here by God's divine destiny and purpose? Do you believe you're God's own handiwork created in Christ Jesus for good works that God has prepared ahead of time, ahead of time, that you should, you should walk in them? He says to her, listen to this. And who knows the message Bible says, if you were made queen for such a moment as this. In the uh, uh, pulpit commentary, it says, you may be convinced your safety can be had through silence. But consider that your elevated position may be the result of a plan to put you in a place of influence. Not as recompense for past difficulties, but to be in this place at this time for this purpose. Consider this. Perhaps God has raised you up to your royal dignity for this very purpose and none other that you should be in a position to save your nation in this crisis. Come on. Come on. It's a day of destiny and a day of decision to choose to stand. I don't know about you, but I can hear that Esther uh, scripture in Acts chapter 4 verse 18 when they called the disciples and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them and said, whether you think it's right in God's sight for us to be silent, you make that choice. But as for us, we cannot, we will not, there is no question, one message Bible says, we can't keep quiet about what we have seen and heard. We will not stop telling the wonderful things that we have seen and heard. In other words, they said, it's our day to speak out. It's our day to stand out. It's our day to be different because God was in Christ restoring the world. To favor with himself. Now you choose. You choose. Do you believe. You're at this place. And this moment. 
for this purpose. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, then the Bible says, because, yes, what time is it? Oh, I got to hit it, don't I? All right. So I guess I won't read this one part. I'll never forget hearing this story the first time. I was at camp meeting, Rama, and it was early on, and I was really, um, I don't know, you know, just, I'm, I'm in, but, you know, I'm kind of close to the place where I could be out. <laughs> you know, I'm in, but it's not that far away. <laughs> and I heard this story. going, God, speak to Lois. And so I heard, and actually, it was Ken Jr. at the I time. I was the leader, but he I gets can't lead if they're not willing. Does that make any sense to anyone? And so I heard this story. Because she didn't catch my vision yet. Every church has a vision. Every, every ministry has a vision. Every believer has a vision. But I couldn't move until she got caught up and said, oh, I, I want to go with that vision. So I heard, I, I heard, and it was Ken Jr. at the time. I think it was an afternoon All of service. You here because you hooked up with the vision of the visionary. Go ahead. And he reads this story, and it was about a, a young man, 16 years old, named William Borden, who was uh, uh, in 1909 at the, I'm going to skip some of this part because it's so good, though, all of it. He was influenced by a man named John Mott. John Mott was a, a missionary statesman, statesman who, when he was offered by President Calvin Coolidge the ambassadorship to Japan in the mid-20s, he said, Mr. President, since God called me as a student to be an ambassador of his, my ears have been deaf to all other calls. When the Standard Oil Company was looking in the Far East for a man to represent them, they offered John Mott the job. At an impressive salary in the early 1900s of $10,000, mid-20s, I think it was. And he turned it down. They offered him an, another uh, salary of 25000 He turned it down. Then they offered him what was considered exorbitant salary of 50000 at the time, and he turned it down. The Standard Oil executives asked him, what's wrong? He said, oh, your price is all right, but your job is too small. God has called me to be his missionary. He was the one who influenced this young man named William Borden, among others. At 19, in 1909, at the age of 21, he became the heir of the Borden dairy fortune. He was given his inheritance by his parents, a young man ready to take on the world. They fe felt he would invest it wisely, and he did. He fell on his knees and began to pray, Lord, what should I do with all this money? The Lord led him to give it to missions, millions of dollars in 1909. He obeyed God's calling to the great distress of his parents. I bet, I bet they're not bothered anymore. He was ordained at 25 on September 9, 1912, and he offered himself for the China Inland Mission. Upon acceptance, he sailed for Cairo, Egypt, proposing to study Arabic in North Africa before going to his work among, among China's Muslims. But in Egypt, he contracted a disease and died in 1913 at the age of 26. When his parents uh, went to get uh, he, uh, I wanna, his body and his belongings, he returned to his parents in the United States. They found his Bible clasped in his hands upon his chest. Opening it, they immediately saw the words written in the front. No reserve, 
which was dated at the time he was trying to decide what to do with his life when he had graduated from Yale. No reserve, and under that, after he had committed to the uh, call, he, re- he wrote, uh, no reserve, no return, and then under that, each dated at the time of the entry, in the, underneath that dated two days before he died, he wrote, no regret. No reserve, no return, no regret. If you keep your life, you'll lose it, Jesus said. But if you give your life to me, you'll find it. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.